Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, hello. How is everybody today? How are you, Kat? I'm doing all right. I am surviving in what has been a difficult week, but mm-hmm. so you had a fun week. You got to go to the wilds of West Virginia. Well, as wild as a resort gets, but yes. <laughs> it was a resort? Oh my god. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll hear all about it during the show, so <laughs> surprise, it was a resort. Surprise! That's right. Nadia went to West Virginia to check out Fallout 76, which was formally revealed as of the release of this podcast. Uh, we are recording it a little bit beforehand, of course. Go and check out all of Nadia's coverage. She has a whole bunch of it. She talks at some length about solo battles and or like what it's like to play the game solo and she talks mm-hmm. about nukes and she talks a lot about about a lot of things so you should go read it and in the meantime uh we're also going to be adding to our top 25 rpg countdown and the next entry on this list is another fallout oh, the top fortuitous <laughs> timing nadia it really is it's a very topical week isn't it i suppose so yeah, in any case, if you want to get in touch with us, you should reach out to us. Uh, you can reach me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or leave a comment on the show notes over on usgamer that I always post. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and usgamer is on all of the different social channels. Usgamernet will usually help you find us there but okay nadia you were in west virginia you got to play like three hours of fallout 76 yes should rpg fans be worried is this more minecraft than a role-playing game uh not really the way uh bethesda described it is survival light it's almost like mmorpg light survival light um it's really it really still has that Fallout vibe when you're just like that exploration vibe to it. And I, I've i actually heard from people who are with me who were who are very much into Fallout and had those kind of fears. They said, okay, playing the game has actually alleviated those fears. So speaking for myself, I love the sense of just exploration that it gave me. Um, I will say, though, that if you're looking for a game with a, that's just populated by a ton of NPCs, you're probably out of luck, uh, because there are no living human NPCs in this game. And I said, why? And the dev who I was talking to said, you'll find out in the story. And that was their answer to a lot of questions I had. You'll find out in the story. Well, I think they've said previously that they just considered it as being part of the landscape like is it aren't a lot of the quest givers robots and things like that yeah a, a lot of your quests will come from robots and also terminals and, and holotapes and what have you um i actually came across a, a mr handy who was on the verge of blowing up and he was like oh please help me do you have the parts that i need to fix myself and i'm like oh let me check oh no sorry you're screwed sorry mr handy so i had to kind of <laughs> goodbye go bye <laughs> enjoy blowing up Reminds me of a thing in Witcher 3 where there was a quest that I didn't do and totally forgot about. I think I was supposed uh-huh. to find something to heal somebody <laughs> in like the very <laughs> beginning of the game. And I uh-huh. went away for a long time and I came back and my quest log said, Geralt was going, went off to go and find this thing to cure this person, but he never came back and she died. 
Oh, I oh shit, that's pretty hardcore. A lot of RPGs, they kind of like bluff you, but they don't kill the person who you're supposed to heal. Yeah, there's a time limit. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. Whoopsie doodle indeed. Oh, just going back to what we were talking about the resort. Yes, I was at a resort, and the reason why, I was at the Greenbrier. Well, uh, what is the Greenbrier? You might know it better as the the hotel that uh, has that big-ass bunker where the uh, the uh, U.S. staff was supposed to go in, in the event of a nuclear attack. Ah, uh, so it was very hashtag on brand. It was extremely on brand, and uh, another reason why they had us all there is because uh, the Greenbrier ha- plays a major role in the game's story. Uh, it's very, very, very unsurprising because it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful old resort going back to, like, God, the 17th century or something like that. Uh, but it, the vibe that we were all getting from it and kind of making jokes amongst each other was uh, it's like the Overlook Hotel on the East Coast. It just has <laughs> that feel. I was like, am I going to pull back the shower curtain and see a dead woman in, like, the bathtub with full of blood? It didn't happen, thankfully. Uh, no, it was they had the, the grounds are huge, just these big, beautiful, sprawling grounds. I actually got lost on them uh, on my last night there, uh, so that was an adventure. It actually, wasn't so bad until the sprinklers came on. But uh, <laughs> it, it's just a place with a a, a lot of history. Um, plus, the bunker which they let us tour was really, really interesting. So I'm really into stuff like that. So getting to see this bunker and like you know the decontamination showers and everything like that, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Can I take this? Can I take yeah, this like radioactivity sign? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't recommend taking the signs. No, you, you shouldn't take the signs. It's just too don't bad because I really want one. Uh, I mean, but don't take some. Uh, it would be a bad idea. But actually, the uh, I think the Green Bar has another name in the game because they couldn't secure the rights in time. It's called White Springs, I think. And what makes it interesting in the context of the game is that it's absolutely immaculate. Like, you literally go from this, like, scruffy, you know, polluted overworld, and, like, as soon as you cross the boundaries into... The Greenbrier, everything is just like perfectly manicured by these robots who absolutely are in love with the resort. And uh, they will, if you start shenanigans, they will turn on you and, and destroy you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that actually came in handy when we were, uh, my group was chased by like monsters into the, into the hotel grounds and the robots like just kind of turned on the, on the monsters and, and shot them to pieces. So that was very handy. So pretend I'm a person who has no friends. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it's a grim, it's a grim reality. In reality, I have lots of friends. So I'm just, this, this isn't a self jab. But pretend I, or let, let's pre- just pretend that I don't like other people. Okay. What's the experience like in the game? Quite lonely, but not in a bad way. Um, here's the thing about Fallout 76, you're going to have maybe 20 to 24 people on one server. And this is a, this is a huge, huge area, like four times the size of Fallout 4, I think is what they're, what they're saying. And, uh, speaking for myself, just at one point I was off on my own and I just kind of detached from my group and you can travel back to them anytime you want. And I just kind of heard gunshots in the distance and I just found it a really interesting experience and is uh, although you do kind of lack for human content, uh, human contact, uh, I think that the wildlife is a lot more active in this game. So you are always keeping busy, and I didn't really feel myself getting overwhelmed by at any point. Uh, apparently, where you start Vault seventy six, you know how it is, like you know, kind of weaker enemies. But if you spread out, uh, especially, I think uh, the devs kept warning us about a place called uh, the some sort of bog. Uh, that's where you'll find the harder challenges. 
So um, I can't really say I was overwhelmed by when I played alone. I didn't feel bored. I didn't feel like, you know, oh, where are all my friends? I, I, I had fun. There are actually a lot of things you can do on your own. And that's not really set up to like a, uh, a joke about masturbation. Um, there's, <laughs> there are a lot of like holotapes and, and quests you can pursue on your own. I actually heard about one, but I didn't get to find it. I'm so mad at myself. Apparently, near the start of the game, there's a kitty cat, and you can find your, you can kind of follow a trail of information about this cat left by the owners who want you to take care of the cat. So that's the kind of thing you have going on. You have like, uh, the, the people who survived after the bomb, but all disappeared after that, and you'll find out why, apparently. They leave behind records and stuff, and like, you can finish their research almost, like kind of follow their trails and see what they were up to. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you're kind of... I, I've, I've read previously like that there are kind of mystery threads. A lot of, yes. oh, who, who lived here and what were these people doing? But it doesn't seem like there's a super strong story to it. Uh, there is still a main story. Uh, your whole main quest is to, in true Fallout fashion, is to find someone. You are actually on the trail of the overseer of uh, the Vault 76, and she took off before everyone else, and your main quest is to follow in her footsteps, go here, there, and everywhere, and see what she's up to. I mean, because you gotta find out... It's always about finding somebody, right? <laughs> find really your is. kid, find your dad... <laughs> Find yeah. the overseer of Vault 76. What is it with Bethesda and finding someone? Oh, and of course, in Fallout New Vegas, you're finding the guy who shot you in the face. Right, right, as we'll be talking about, I'm sure. Like you do. Uh, like you do. But yeah, it's all about finding that trail of breadcrumbs, isn't it? Which isn't bad. I, I kind of enjoy doing that sort of thing. I think that they just want to have an excuse for you to be able to be walking through the world. And that's as good yes. an excuse as any. You're on yeah, a journey. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, so. and you're kind of ping-ponging from here to there. Yes. But Fallout 76 is all about building up your own kind of uh, settlements and bases, right? Yes. You have your camp, which you can take with you anywhere and put it down and build things and, you know, kind of build up the camp and, again, take it down and put it wherever you want. Really? Okay. So it's not a fixed location. You're actually carrying it around. Oh, no. You can carry, you carry it around. Yeah. Which is uh, makes the whole people have worries. Well, what if someone nukes me? And the devs told us very clearly, like, it really shouldn't be a problem. You got your proverbial three-minute warning. You can pick up your stuff. Even if you get nuked, you really don't lose much. Like, you, uh, when you build something, you acquire a blueprint for that thing. So you're basically, to rebuild, all you need to do is, like, press a button. That's how they explained it to me. And uh, I can't remember if they said it would cost minimal resources or no resources at all, but it really shouldn't set you back. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned the nuking, because... I, even if it's easy to rebuild, as it were, and you're not going to get profoundly screwed by some troll with uh, their finger on the button. <laughs> yes. Um, I it, People have pointed out how thematically strange it is to have a, a game that's ostensibly about the horrors of nuclear warfare and the fallout from it. Fallout. Yes. And you can launch nukes for fun and profit. Yeah, and I actually brought that up. I said, what's the deal? And I think I got the it's in the story explanation again. <laughs> so there's that. Wait, they actually address this in the story? Uh, 
well, here's the thing. I asked two devs, and I said, that's really weird. And they answered, yep, it really is. And I was like, okay, I guess that's that answer. But I brought it up again to another dev, and they're like, yeah, we, we kind of get into that in the story. So I don't know what the true answer is, but I hope we get an answer in the story. Yeah, interesting. And you asked them, what's it like to make this kind of game in an era of maybe increased tensions and also more recently increased nuclear tensions between uh, the U.S. and North Korea? Uh Uh-huh. I didn't get to personally ask that. It was someone on my roundtable, but yes, Mm -hmm. they did ask it. And uh, their first response was, well, they started the game three years ago and the world was a different place back then. Uh, it really they, was, wasn't it? The world it really was, was a very was different a place three years ago. Uh, but they also said they they have um, talked about that extensively, between, like amongst themselves, and they have not necessarily censored certain things, but uh, you know the way they put it is apparently one dev would uh, was listening to some of the music in the game because of course he had radio stations as usual, and they were like, "Hey, do you know this song says this?" And they're like, "Whoop, we should probably take that out." You know what I mean? What do you mean, probably take that out? Take the song out, because it's just uh, has, you know, I don't know, they didn't give me a specific example, but uh, yeah, like just uh, anything like that's just too controversial in this political climate, I suppose. Mm. I I read a comic from The Guardian just the other day, and they made a joke about a football player who hasn't really been relevant since in several years, suddenly getting Mm -hmm. a goal, and they go... And here comes Daniel Sturridge waking up for waking up for the first time since 2014, and he's going, "Hey guys, what's happened in the past four years?" <laughs> oh no, you don't even it's kind know. of a uh... <laughs> oh dear, yeah, oh dear indeed. So, what exactly did you do over the course of three hours? Uh, well, I actually mostly stuck around with my group, although I did strike out once in a while on my own, as I brought up, especially once by accident, and I got mixed up uh, with uh, some bad trouble, but I'll, I'll tell you all about that. Uh, so when we, our group was, we have, of course, a dev who is kind of helping us around. Uh, she's the leader. Uh, and then it was me. I can't remember the other fellow with me, but he was pretty great. And we were actually with Major Nelson. <laughs> From he Xbox, Larry team. Herb. Yep, he was he was part of our team. So we were all just kind of uh, the four of us just striking out on expedition. And uh, the uh, the leader of the team, the dev, said, "Okay, tell me what you want to see and uh, or how you want to play." And we're like, uh, "Can we visit the Greenbrier in game?" Because we wanted to like see if like we would like enter a door and see our, our corpses hunched over the game <laughs> in some sort of meta moment. And she's like, "Okay, fine, we'll go to the Greenbrier." And she warned us this is in a high level area, as we found out the hard way. And uh, she said, "And we'll just kind of like." stop at some cool points along the way. So we, we had a bit of a tour. And when I say we ran into trouble, what I mean is Fallout 76 has a new enemy called the Scorch Beast. And I don't know if it's been revealed before. It probably has. It, it has actually in those little, like, cute little You Will Emerge videos. Uh, it's a big, huge bat that is just monstrous and, and horrible. I don't know if you've seen it in, in any shape or form before now. I don't remember ever seeing a Scorch Beast, no. But a giant bat, I assume because it's called the Scorch Beast, it breathes fire? Uh, It breathes like sonic waves that just destroy you. Basically, you're looking at... It was pretty cool. You're looking at basically Fallout's answer to Skyrim's dragons, except on a much more intense level. A Scorch Beast. Yeah. So we ran into one of these things because there was one nesting close to the Greenbrier. 
and we're all running around screaming, and I died and got lost, but uh, I, re- I got back just in time to see my group actually, through a combination of, of endurance and just dumb luck, they took down this, this Scorch Beast. And all the devs at the, at the event were like, wow, nobody has ever done that during this, uh, during this event, because we're talking about an, a monster that's supposed to be like difficult for like level 60 players, or level 50 players. So uh, we managed that somehow, and it was a it was a pretty intense battle. Like this thing is pretty cool. It was your RPG expertise. The blood god was blessing you that day. I fell down a. The thing came out of a radioactive chasm. I fell down the chasm and died. <laughs> the blood god was blessing you that day. Praise. He blessed be me to with radiation god. poisoning. <laughs> I. So, I, I have two questions. Uh-huh. Question number one is: This game still has vats, right? Yes, um, it's different, as you might expect, because since you're playing with other players, the world doesn't slow down. Uh, what you have, what they're still calling vats, is actually more of a glorified auto-targeting system. A glorified auto-targeting system. Yeah, like you press your, I think it's your left bumper, and the VAT sound comes up and you you zoom in on the enemy a bit. And what you see is basically an overall percentage uh, instead of like percentages for head, foot, you know, body, whatever. And your number for your percentage indicates how likely you are to hit something. And that's all there is to it. Okay, interesting. Okay, question number two is, I'm trying to envision what the end game of this is. Oh, what What's the point Okay, so there's a story, right? Uh-huh, there is a story. And you're exploring this world. But a lot of the meat of a Fallout game is interacting with uh, other people in this world, building relationships, completing side quests, uh, kind uh-huh. of making your mark, right? In this right. fantasy world. And in this fantasy world, there are no other people aside from other humans. And I guess ostensibly your goal is to build this settlement that you're carrying around with you. Is that that's the ultimate goal? Is to build a really cool settlement and also maybe do the um, story. People were asking actually, like, okay, what is the end game? Are we talking about like high level raids or something close to raids? And uh, the impression I get is that you're kind of expected, yes, to kind of build up your settlement, uh, hunt down really ferocious monsters and in particular uh, acquiring nuke codes and nuking something and exploring the irradiated irradiated area seems to be what they have in mind for an end game and as you say it's not it doesn't come across as, as quite as story oriented as previous fallout games um i while i find the story so far intriguing i also get the impression that it is very much passive compared to the more active stories of previous fallout games i uh i could be wrong and I did get to re- receive a hint that basically DLC will revolve around what kind of experience the players are, are, are getting out of the game. So it, it's all, the end game is really, I guess, a little bit up in the air at this point. It sounds like from, just from my perspective, I haven't played it. I, I am waiting until I actually do the review because I'm on the review. Um, mm-hmm. What it sounds like is that it's a game that's built mostly around hang- chilling out with your friends and building stuff and maybe going on fighting ha- monsters. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say, though, that if you want to strike out on your own and, yes, build things and, yes, hunt monsters, 
Uh, you should have a fun time doing that as well, especially like you love No Man's Sky, right? So no. <laughs> well, you like well, you got obsessed with it briefly, yeah, for like a few <laughs> days until you drove the, your your rover or whatever into the sky or whatever it is you managed to do. I like the idea of No Man's Sky for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. It ultimately there were so many barriers to enjoyment that I got a little tired of it. But yes, you're right. I did find pleasure in just flying around and building my base eventually i felt like i was like oh okay like i don't have time to just sit here and gather crap forever yeah (laughs) onto oblivion right i do need a little more than what no man's sky is actually giving me right i mean no man's sky is just a let's gather stuff game like a lot of survival games actually and that sounds like what fallout um uh fallout 76 is a let's gather stuff game but gather with your friends and also monsters are there sometimes yeah yeah um definitely gather with your friends uh i really do feel like there's a lot of story content in the game just as i said passive instead of active passive instead of active yeah like you're um you're reading stuff and seeing holotapes but you're not really talking to someone and they're not telling you about long dick johnson or whatever what it sounds like to me is that it's basically a story driven by audio logs. Yeah, that's actually, I was going to bring up Bioware, <laughs> actually, sorry, not Bioware, Bioshock, as an example of what we might be looking at here. Lovely. Okay. Which is, a, it could be a, a very much a what's your own sort of take on that kind of thing, but uh, I still kind of like audio log stories, so if you tell me a good story, I'll listen. Will traditional Fallout fans like Fallout 76? That's a harder question to answer because, like I said, I did hear from uh, traditional Fallout fans who are a little more sold on the game now. Uh, Okay. But being someone who's been... I'm not nearly as much of a hardcore Fallout fan as you. I do very much enjoy the the, uh, the, the games. I enjoy the story, the lore. But... um, it's harder for me to say, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely, you will love this, or oh, no, no, you're going to hate this. Uh, I feel, somehow, I, I just feel like I will actually enjoy Fallout 76 as someone who's kind of a more casual fan of the series, because just from my ex- my brief time with it, I, I felt like I was just kind of exploring a wilderness, and it was just very quiet and serene, and I enjoy that sort of feeling very much. It's part of the reason why I really like Breath of the Wild and Skyrim, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really interesting comparison point, though, of exploring. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, Breath of the Wild does have plenty of NPCs that you kind of encounter on the road or whatever. But so much mm-hmm. of the joy of Breath of the Wild is the wide open spaces with nobody in them. Yeah. And as you say, Breath of the Wild, yes, you find people, but they're like in towns or whatever. Uh, I mean, to be frank, this game is beautiful. Like it, it is I mean, West Virginia, and West Virginia is one of my favorite places. Uh, it's just one of, the fir- it's one of the first places I saw mountains. I'd never seen mountains until I went to West Virginia, so it just blew me away, and I, I guess it always made an impression on me. I want to see mountains again, Gandalf. Mountains! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not talking about, like, West Coast mountains. Those are mean-looking mountains. I love the... <laughs> I love the... I said Appalachians when I was there. I got corrected. Appalachians. Appalachians. Yeah, so I got corrected. So what you're saying is you don't want big, craggy mountains uh, set against a blue sky. You want misty mountains. Misty mountains high or whatever the, how that poem goes, but yes. 
Okay. Well, Fallout 76, um, as I said, I haven't played it. You have played it. I think a lot of people are still trying to get their head around to what this game will actually be like to play. Yeah, that's understandable. And I am just having a hard time envisioning the progression and what is happening on a moment-to-moment basis. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like I'm I'm going on a quest. I've got my with my friends. I'm following clues. I've got my settlement. I can use the settlement to build things, get better, and everything. And then I pack up and keep going, and I'm just kind of exploring this vast wilderness area and doing stuff. I don't know. Yeah, so it's going to be tricky because I feel like on by a game by itself, it's a, a, it's fine. It's great. It's like I said, that loneliness of exploration. As someone who really loves that the Fallout world where you have you have your like really colorful NPCs who are always like quipping dialogue at you, uh, I'm not sure how people who are, who are really really into that are going to are going to absorb it, and I'm, I'm interested to see. I am interested to see as well because um, I've said before on this podcast I was a huge fan of Fallout 4's uh, settlement building, but part of the charm of the building the settlements in Fallout 4 was that you could actually get NPCs living in them, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you can have your friends, but that's not the same thing. I know exactly what you mean. You can, I think actually someone in Fallout 4 got a death claw in their settlement too. What? Oh, yeah. because you can capture them, right? Yeah, this is hilarious because they captured this death claw and it just kept on lining up for drinks. <laughs> lining up for drinks? Yeah, they had posted a picture of this queue and there's like, you know, people waiting orderly for their drinks and there's a big ass death claw in the middle of the line just waiting. I love it. That's great. It's really cute. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, Fallout New Vegas, uh, the beta starts in a couple weeks, so we'll be able to kind of see for ourselves what the uh, what Fallout 76 is all about, but I, I think it's definitely still the most mysterious game remaining left in 2018. Mm-hmm, definitely. But ultimately, thumbs up? Yeah, um, I will definitely be giving it a try when it comes out, and I'm very curious to read your review on it. I am very curious to read my review on it as well. <laughs> You're going to type it and look back and say, oh, when did I write this? Hmm. All right, let's keep going and continue on with our top 25 RPG countdown. All right, we're continuing on with our top 25 RPG countdown and see if you recognize the scene from this game. Will you get it over with? Maybe cons kill people without looking them in the face. But I ain't a fink, dig? You've made your last delivery, kid. Sorry you got twisted up in this scene. From where you're kneeling must seem like an 18-carat run of bad luck. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. Yep, the lines you just heard from were from the opening of Fallout New Vegas, which is number 13 on our top 25 RPG list. It is one of two Fallout games on this list. You'll just have to wait and see what the other Fallout game is on here. Nadia, what's your experience with the Fallout series? Uh, with Fallout uh, New Vegas in particular or the Fallout series as a whole? Fallout series. 
Uh, let's see. I played uh, quite a bit of three. I played quite a bit of four. Um, I skipped over Las Vegas, uh, uh, New Vegas, however. A lot. You and a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so I am told. It didn't sell particularly well from, or at least not the numbers that they were looking for, from what I understand. Rather nice. famously fell like a couple points, maybe even just a point short of the Metacritic score they needed for for an important bonus. Right. Oh, that game, yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it was a bummer. Interesting case of an RPG that got not middling reviews, but it, they were kind of all over the place because people were really annoyed by the bugs. Right. But now has grown in the esteem of people a lot. And I think a lot of people would say that Fallout New Vegas is probably the best of the 3D fallouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that argument as well. Fallout New Vegas, design, developed by Obsidian, a few just uh, it came out about three years or two years after Fallout Three, and uh, it has an interesting history because um, so we've talked about Fallout New Vegas a fair amount on this podcast. We talked, we, I did a huge retrospective about it last year. I had Josh Sawyer mm-hmm. and Fergus Eckhart from Obsidian on the show to talk about it. I encourage you to go back and listen. To those, uh, to those episodes, because we, we really go into depth of, into the design and the overall gameplay. And by comparison, this is a little more, I, I want to say, of a Cliff Notes. But, <laughs> In Canada, uh, they're called Coles Notes. There's your, really? there's your trivia for the day, yes. They're <sighs> called Coles Notes. I actually think Coles Notes came first and Cliff Notes came second. So, yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk out of turn, but figure it out. Um, sorry, I saw the Canadian, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, so they, they talked at some length about Fallout New Vegas, and this was last year, but uh, it has a really interesting history behind it, because uh, I suppose you may have heard, Nadia, that the original Fallout 3 was originally being developed by Interplay. Yes, and uh, uh, they had ideas that were implemented a lot in uh, New Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was going to be called Van Buren. It Mm -hmm. was going to do a lot of really interesting things. It was going to be fairly different, but it has also many of the same uh, threads that ultimately got implemented into Fallout New Vegas. For example, Caesar's Legion, which is probably one of the nastiest probably one of the nastiest factions you will ever see in a Fallout game. The Caesar's Legion, yeah, the, not nice people. They're very um, Mad Max, aren't they? Like the mo- I can't remember the name of the Legion in the modern Mad Max film, but uh, the one oh, owned yeah. by Scary Face Joe, whatever his name is. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Immortan Joe. That's it, yes. And very similar to that where uh, just, pr- uh, just strength is all and women are nothing. Immortan Joe is the real hero of, of of Mad Max, or so I'm told. Oh, God, that's a terrible take. But I'm told by awful people. <laughs> okay, well, we cleared but, that But, yes, in Fallout New Vegas, uh, they, so they pick up a lot of threads, and so Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 are both set on the East Coast, because Bethesda is based on the East Coast. Bethesda is sure based are. in Maryland. They're very East Coast-oriented. Whereas Obsidian is based in California, they are very West Coast oriented, <laughs> and unsurprisingly, they opted to set their game in 
like kind of a location that's like the definition of the West, which is yeah, the Western the desert. Yeah. Very wild West. And, mm-hmm. uh, previously fallout 2 had also been set on the west coast and it had introduced uh the ncr the new california republic who are oh america america (laughs) except their uh their logo is a two-headed bear isn't it yeah i I want that logo actually it's a great logo i love it it's one of my favorites it's amazing but in fallout new vegas uh we have three factions uh we have uh, the New California Republic. Mm-hmm. We have Caesar's Legion, who are bad. Mm-hmm. Or they have complex morality, as some might say. And then yeah, there's Mr. Sure, House. Mr. House, who probably in the modern day would be working for Google. Okay, that sounds about right. It's like Elon Musk is put inside a computer. Oh God! It's like that's a that's an interesting thing about uh, New Vegas is uh, even though I haven't played much of it, I do know quite a bit about the stories and the characters and just how uh, everyone's kind of awful, and you just kind of have to go with who's the least awful in your in your heart. The very first scene involves you getting shot in the face. <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> that's the way to start a story. Yeah, I mean, and it's a great hook. I mean, you're wondering really who the heck is this guy? Why is he shooting me in the face? <laughs> And you're chasing <laughs> Dude, the man. You're chasing the man in the uh, the checkered suit and trying to figure out the mystery of why you were shot in the face. That's uh that's very uh, Dark Tower, isn't it? Chasing, uh, I think what's that f- famous line? The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed after him. That is correct. And in fact, you do spend a lot of time in the desert in this game. <laughs> that that makes sense. The the Mojave wasteland, if I'm not mistaken. Lots of rad scorpions. They're not rad. They're full of radiation. Just like how the rad roaches aren't rad. They're just assholes. Yeah, full of radiation. Uh, A few things. uh, Fallout New Vegas does differ from Fallout 3 in a few uh, crucial respects. Uh, Most especially, it introduced a hardcore mode, Mm. which had a lot of uh, kind of interesting little changes uh including all healing items including food and water do not heal the player instantly but over a short period of time oh stim packs no longer heal crippled limbs players have to use (laughs) doctor's bags ammunition has weight and most importantly you have to eat drink and sleep to avoid starvation dehydration and exhaustion i tried survival mode it was actually pretty fun yeah, there's actually, uh, going back to 76 for a second, they're back to the whole uh, eating and drinking to survive thing. Mm. Uh, I am mixed on this a l- slightly. Mm-hmm. I know that it's a survival game staple, mm-hmm. but I've never been a big fan of the steady degradation aspect of uh, games because it just creates busy work. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it can also put you into a death spiral that can be very difficult to recover from because you're too weak to do things, but you need to get whatever. Yeah, it's realistic, like, but it's not. I was going to say, just like real, just like real life starvation, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, so, one of the big criticisms, Nadia, and perhaps you've experienced this in Fallout Three and Fallout Four, uh, is that you tend to be railroaded. There, there tend to be a couple of true outcomes. And mm-hmm. so the illusion of freedom rapidly drops away. Uh, what, yes. What's your ta- take on that? Um, 
Yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, doesn't Fallout New Vegas have, there are several endings, aren't there? But as you say, you're kind of maybe railroaded into one of three with different, with like slightly different variations of each ending. And as I said, like it's, from what I can tell of the game, is you're not really going to get a, a super satisfying uh, storybook ending in any of the endings you attempt to go for. It's true. The ending is not actually that different, depending on what you pick. It's mostly, it's like, okay, did you, who did you side with? And then, exactly. of course, there's an epilogue where you see, like, how all of your decisions impacted the wasteland, ultimately. But I think uh-huh. the important thing is that you have a choice, period. That's true. Whereas yeah. in Fallout 4, for example, there's a certain inflection point where you have to choose between one of the factions. And... There's mm-hmm. no middle road, right? There's no... Mm-hmm. You can't thread the needle. You can't make peace with them. Right. You, you can't strike off on your own. You gotta make a choice. And a lot of people found that impalatable, and I can kind of understand why. Like, there's a point where you're just gonna make enemies with one of them, and you gotta kill them. Right. And uh, Fallout New Vegas doesn't really force you into that, or it does? Uh, well, I mean, at a certain point, you are going to fight somebody. <laughs> if you <laughs> want to get to the die. end, uh, yeah. you can strike off on your own and kind of say, F it. Uh-huh. Actually, uh, one of the, uh, I think Josh Sawyer said that his, his, the way he envisions the arc for a player is, initially, they go, oh, the NCR, they're the good guys, I will join them. And then initially it seems like they're doing good until you get higher up and then you just meet the general and the general's an asshole. And you go, oh, I don't like these guys. They're full of bureaucracy and they're overextended and this guy's a jerk and uh, (laughs) no, this is kind of the worst. I'm going to go try something else. And so you go over to Mr. House and you're like, Mr. House, he is better. He has good techno technological ideas about the world he wants uh-huh. to remake the world in kind of a libertarian way, I suppose. Oh, Mr. House isn't a good person either, because he wants me to kill the Brotherhood. And there's no way right. out of it. I don't want right. to kill the Brotherhood. But he says yeah. I have to do that. Okay, yeah. screw Dr. Mr. House. I'm leaving Mr. House. I'm striking <laughs> out on my own. And that he is great how... Name. The point is, is that there's a journey. Exactly, yeah. I've often Although... said... So what were you going to say? Uh, just interesting how, okay, you can choose between the three, and it's like, okay, I'm going to choose Mr. House, but then Mr. House doesn't give the option to choose whether or not you want to kill the Brotherhood. And it's like, even if he gave me consequences for saying, I'm not going to do it, that'd be something, but just, you know what I mean? Uh, I think you can not do it, but you'll piss him off a lot. <laughs> he, probably, he doesn't sound like the kind of guy you want to piss off. Also, there's a reputation system in Fallout New Vegas, which I think is pretty cool. So depending on what you do, you will gain or lose favorability with the different factions. And uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, for the most part. And things offer operate in kind of a gradation where you have to win acceptance Mm -hmm. from one of the different factions. And so you can... You can play both ends against the middle for quite a long time before eventually you get to the point where they actually become hostile. As opposed right. to, if I recall correctly in Fallout 4, if you do like 
one thing that's considered hostile, you've effectively tripped a switch, and now they're hostile forever. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a certain point where I think the Brotherhood of Steel... I pissed off the Brotherhood of Steel, and I was like, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's done. So, after after being shot in the face, Nadia, Mm -hmm. uh, you travel to New Vegas... And you enter a, a casino, and you discover that New Vegas is actually still relatively intact from the nuclear apocalypse, and that was mostly because of Mr. House, who was able to stop the nukes, for the most part. Um, right, yeah. I think you shot most of them out of the sky before they, they landed, or at least some of them. Yep, yep. And you ultimately leave, and just by virtue of the fact that you went into the Forbidden Casino and came out, all of the factions are now suddenly very interested in you. The NCR, the Caesar's Legion, and, uh, well, and Mr. House, of course, so, uh, and various <laughs> yes, others, uh, the, the gangsters who run the town, there are a lot of different factions, all very, cause very Vegas-themed, I suppose, they're mm-hmm. like the mobsters yeah. and the white-gloved ca- cannibals and uh, wow. greasers from the 1950s called the Kings. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a, every stereotype, we got him here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's what happens in Fallout. Uh, the radiation scrambled everybody's brains, so now they're all pretending to be 1950s Rat Pack stereotypes. It actually, uh, just to verge off topic for half a second, have you ever seen um, uh, the... Emer- I-, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically a, kind of a post-apocalyptic game show where uh, like the emergency... Bro- it was based on the emergency broadcast system, but everyone was basically stuck... In this era where uh, they had, they just all their ca- all their culture was basically absorbed from, like all from like. Uh, I'm sorry, I just kind of lost my train of thought. You can cut that out. <laughs> sorry. Are you talking about a Star Trek episode? No, it was it was like because it the, sounds like a piece of the action. No, it was the on the gangster tip of my planet. Tongue. It was on the tip of my tongue. It was like basically, uh, I. Since I forgot the name of it, I, everything else fell apart. But it was basically everyone. There's a bunch of people living in a fallout shelter, and they have this emergency broadcast game show, uh, and uh, they're, they're trying to like name things from from our culture, and uh, it's all very dark and weird and hilarious. It just no, me I of haven't seen. I haven't seen this thing, but it does sound very fallouty. It is. It is very very fallouty. I'll, I'll link it to you sometime. I think a, I think the reason that a lot of Fallout fans like Fallout New Vegas so much is that because it was developed by Obsidian, it has very clear links to the first two games. Mm-hmm. It picks up it a lot of threads. Uh, for example, there are companions who are definite references to previous events in uh, older games. Uh, case in point, Lily Bowen. She was a former assassin in the Master's Army. The Master, of course, is a villain from the previous Fallout games, for example. Right. Uh, tons of references, just in general. Like, there's a there's a side quest in which you are uh, basically learning about the remnants of the Enclave, mm-hmm. which is a another throwback to uh, Fallout 2, if I'm not mistaken. And so tons of lore building and shout outs and that kind of thing, which makes sense because Chris Avalon, who was on this podcast last week, was involved. He basically wrote the book on Fallout. He wrote the Fallout 2 Bible. Oh, nice. That must have been a lot of fun to get to go back and like probably thinking, oh, I'll never get to revisit this Fallout 3 idea I had. And then 
having a chance to at least re-implement some of it as well as some of your own your old lore that must have been like a really nice experience for them by and large it was just uh i want to say a more nuanced harder core take Mm -hmm. on the series versus what we had seen out of bethesda which was uh, i mean it was really cool in the respects that it managed to take the fallout verse into 3d but a lot of people criticize bethesda's writing it's uh, a little too rigid there's a the choices aren't as interesting there are Mm -hmm. good characters there are good situations but they don't pop in the same way as fallout new vegas a lot of people love the side quests in fallout new vegas and we'll get to those in a moment uh but of course the real reason that fallout new vegas has endured is aside from the fact that people really like the story and really like the writing uh mods yes (laughs) it always comes back to the mods it always comes back to the mods and you know what i don't necessarily understand nadia because i don't usually mod my games do you mod your games? I no. I mean, I don't play much on the PC to begin with. But when uh, the one mod that I do remember applying to Skyrim PS4, because you can apply mods, is the Rich Merchant mod, which means you can basically buy and sell as much as you want. You don't have to worry about the uh, the merchant's cash register running low, which always drove me up the wall because then you'd have to wait a day for it to recharge. I uh, I did apply a lot of mods to Fallout New Vegas. No, not Fallout oh. New Vegas, Skyrim. Uh-huh. Because um, I was playing on PC, not on the console. I was playing oh, Fallout wow. New Vegas on console. Uh-huh. And uh, I wanted the graphical updates. Right, and, and there were some good ones. There were some excellent graphical updates. Um, and plus, like, new armor and stuff. But whenever a mod starts playing around with the mechanics, I tend to sour on it because I always sort of feel like it always feels a little too amateurish for me. Right. No, that's that's understandable. Um, I, I just got impatient, which is why I downloaded that mod. Like, the second that they start fiddling with whatever the developers put into place, I I start to just feel like it. there's no way that it can be as good as uh, what the professionals are doing. Yeah, that's fair. might be a fairly myopic point of view, because... There are a lot of unbelievable mods. I played Yeah. I played a campaign in X-Wing Alliance that was as good as or better than anything I ever got from Totally Games, uh like the original development team. Mm-hmm. There's stuff out there, but there's also a lot of unmitigated crap. And it's hard to parse no, through it. Exactly. No, there are um that's why uh just mod guides in general are godsends because yes, there are absolutely even if just a handful, some very professional-grade stuff there where, like, actual uh, experienced uh, game-developing students are using it kind of as a portfolio, and uh, they come up with some really incredible stuff. So let's talk about best moments, Nadia. For mm-hmm. my money, the best moments in Fallout New Vegas are the side quests, and let me tell you about a few of them, which I highlighted in my Making of Fallout New Vegas, which I wrote last year, which you should go read because I think it's pretty good. Uh, so here's one, here's one of the most famous ones, all right? It's called Beyond the Beef. <laughs> it's about cannibals. Oh, dear. Well, th- that is Beyond the Beef. You could feed one of your companions to them. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh. There's, yes. Oh, man, that is... 
that is up there. Uh, there's actually in Star Control 2 a similar side quest where you can... There's this really, like, greedy race called the Druge, and you can sell your crewmates to them as slaves. And it kind of reminds me a bit of that. But that's pretty... So, basically, your companion... What if you're traveling with a robot? <laughs> Did they get turned into, into like, a Coke can? I don't think you can give feed them the robot or the dog. You have a cybernetic oh, thank God. dog. Uh, screw yeah. the humans. What about the dogs? <laughs> I uh, Initially, you're trying to figure out what is going on with them because somebody's gone uh-huh. missing. And uh-huh. eventually it comes to light that they are cannibals. And... Uh, somebody is trying to get them to become... Or they've renounced cannibalism, but somebody's trying to get them to uh-huh. go back to it. And oh, gosh. it's basically up to you to decide whether or not they are going to embrace the forbidden meat. The long pork. That's the long pork. That is some very The Road stuff right up in there. Yes. Uh, also famously buggy. <laughs> <laughs> that That particular quest is buggy, you say? Oh, yes. Because it's fairly really? complicated. Yeah. Oh. It's a very complicated quest, a lot of moving parts, and so invariably ended up being buggy. That was one of the problems with Fallout New Vegas. Extremely buggy game. Well, it was uh, an engine they weren't familiar with, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. They were not familiar with the Gamebryo engine. Whoops. <laughs> uh, Arizona Killer. This is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. For one thing, it has a plane called Bear Force One. <laughs> Tell me that belongs to the new California Republic. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it belongs to the NCR president. They fly in Bear Force One. Oh, and uh, your, either your goal is to stop an assassin who is trying to kill the president, or much more fun, you are trying to kill the president. <laughs> and there are so many ways to do that. Uh, oh. You can snipe them. You can stick C4 in an NCR trooper's helmet. There are like a million solutions to this particular uh, quest, and it's a ball. It's this so particular good. problem, it almost sounded like you're about to say, how do we kill the president? Yeah. Well. Oh, it's a delight. It's so smart. Uh, that sounds fun. Josh Sawyer said, Charlie Staples, I think, did the majority of the quest implementation there. And I said, Charlie, make it so that you can pack his helmet with C4. So you can be like, I found your helmet, dude. And then he goes up to get his medal. You can detonate it remotely. <laughs> or you can just nuke everybody. You can do that, too. Collateral damage. Uh, but it's not nearly as fun to save, uh, to find the assassin and save everybody. It's way more fun. That's the reason why you joined the Caesar's Legion. That's, that's what I got to right. say. Uh, there's Come Fly With Me, which ends with a launch sequence set to the ride of the Valkyries. Uh, in which ghouls fly <laughs> into space. But if you want, you wow. can sabotage the rockets and they explore. And they explode. Oh, no. Uh, are they? Because you're a jerk. Why would you do that? I don't know. I, I was going to say, like, I know some ghouls are like, obviously a lot of them come after you, the feral ghouls, but like some ghouls are really nice. Very nice ghouls. And they have strange new worlds to explore. No, they don't. <laughs> Not without a space helmet or any sort of safety implementation. Uh, the, the details. Details. Okay, small details. Learn how to breathe and, in space real fast, guys. And perhaps one of the darkest ones, uh, when you're encountering Boone, who is one of your companions, he is, uh, well, his wife has been sold to slavers, and he wants to figure out who did it. Uh-huh. And if you do an investigation, you can discover that it was actually one of the townsfolk 
and you basically lure her to the dinosaur and Boone snipes her. If you're a real nice. jerk, you can basically get anybody you want to go to that dinosaur and he will shoot them. Oh no, don't do that. Yeah, he Punish won't like evil. it if you do that. I wouldn't I recommend doing him. that. <laughs> but uh, it's it's pretty messed up. Um, uh, that, that brings me to one of the cooler things about Fallout New Vegas. Uh, a common thing in like Skyrim and Fallout, Nadia, I'm sure you've encountered mm-hmm. this, some, some NPCs are immortal. Yes. N- not really the case in Fallout. You can kill pretty much oh. anybody. Hmm. Good luck killing Caesar. <laughs> he is very difficult to kill. Because he is in a camp surrounded by people. One of my yeah. one of my goals initially when I was playing was I wanted to run the quest to uh, the Caesar's Legion quest line to the point where I had uh, so there is a bit where you can decide whether the Caesar lives or dies, right. Well, I wanted him to die, and then I wanted to get out and join the NCR. Mm-hmm. I could never figure out how to get out, though, because uh, there's <laughs> so you're surrounded by everybody. Like I would always yeah. die. Yeah. So, so that's a really um, that's a, a good on the team for actually implementing that because yeah, the the legionnaires, I, I think, as you call them, uh, they're extremely, basically the train to, to live and die for this guy and nothing else. So instead of having like just a few of them kind of look the other way while you run for run like hell, no, they will they will do what they were trained to do, what they've been born to do in some cases, and, and just destroy you. Uh, really quickly, let's talk about Caesar's Legion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, they, they see... So Caesar has neutral karma, interestingly. Oh. And the the reason they do that is because they see Caesar as somebody who has, like, almost an alien sense of morality. Like, you just can't understand it. Personally, I think it just means that he's a sociopath. Yeah. um, That's a very, that's very much a blank slate. Kind of a, almost like the color gray. Like the planet neutral thing from Futurama. But... Yeah, I see where they're coming from, and I see where you're coming from. Because, I don't know, when something's a blank slate like that, it can go either way, like, real hard. And it doesn't sound like Caesar's very benevolent. Well, when you talk to him, he is ruthless and awful, but he also presents as an intellectual. And he's basically making the case that the wasteland is brutal and needs order, and he is bringing it to it. He is bringing strength uh, to the wasteland. The the NCR Mm -hmm. is weak. And awful things are happening behind the scenes, and he's making sure that's not going to happen. Which mm-hmm. is the line by every dictator, every freaking pit petty dictator. And I do not, I I loathe Caesar's Legion, and I would never join them in a million years. And I think they should be new yeah. from orbit. Because there are a lot of people who actually do believe uh, what Caesar's Legion believes. There are a lot of people who believe that might makes right, or that yeah, exactly. order is better order at the expense of personal freedom or individual rights or liberty is better than anything and i say that is a dark dark path to go down and unfortunately it really is as a nation that is uh that is unfortunately where we have been going for quite a while now and it bums me out but that's neither here nor there uh yeah it makes me feel good to kill the caesar (laughs) (laughs) 
That's totally understandable. And I mean, gosh, it's not like we don't have examples of history where people are like, oh, I'm going to bring order to everything. And uh, maybe they do, but a lot of people die or worse or enslaved or. Well, it's the same old song. Uh, it really people is. People who it? think that they've got it all figured out. Exactly. And the, that tends to be complete BS. But one of the like most telling, I, I think the perfect moment that encapsulates what it's like to deal with Caesar's Legion is the first time you meet them, you find a city that's been burned out and full of corpses. And mm-hmm. Caesar's Legion is there. And that's probably the first time you're encountering them. And initially you're horrified because you're like, oh my God, like, what are they, how is this a thing, right? Right. Like, they've murdered this entire town. Well, you discover that, in fact, this town was evil. They were, like, tempting in. There was, it's like a town of thieves. They were tempting in passersby and killing them. And Caesar's Legion was meeting out medieval justice on them. And they're like, are we not uh, actually good? And I'm like, well, no, (laughs) because vigilante justice is bullshit. We we crucified this guy. We're okay, right? There's a reason that I always hated... uh, was it Boondock Saints? Was that what it, was that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Boondock. <laughs> Is that Saints. the one with the vigilantes? Yes. Yeah, I also hated that movie because of what they did to the cat. But oh, yeah. But personally, I'm always I'm the type of person in Fallout New Vegas where I invariably end up striking out on my own because uh, the NCR is too corrupt. Uh, Mister House is just a techno asshole. And in <laughs> Caesar's Legion is just flat out evil in my mind. So I can't really work with any of them. And I yeah. go and remake the world in my own image, which I think is the vision. I think that's what Obsidian wants. I think it's a mark in Fallout New Vegas's favor that I care that much about its actual factions. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, you gave them all a fair shake. You stuck around long enough to do that. <laughs> uh I mean, I kind of cared about the factions in Fallout 4, but the the motivations of the Institute made no dang sense to me. Uh-huh, yeah. And the Brotherhood of Steel, they were just jerks in Fallout 4. Real, real yeah, they jerks. Were. They hate the robots. And I'm like, hey, hey, leave the robots alone. Robots are cool. I like I, robots. I'm, in, I'm inclined to protect minorities. and I'm exactly. inclined, I am inclined to feel sympathy toward minorities. And, mm-hmm. and that includes robots who want to, you know, just be left alone and freaking live their own life. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I really hate, like, I hate it when uh, a faction or whatever is just like, we're going to beat up on these, you know, these people who are over here minding their own business. And it's like, okay, how am I supposed to feel anything except utter contempt for you? Yeah, and Fallout 4, uh, so if Fallout New Vegas, you could, if you're an awful person, you could actually make sort of an argument for Caesar's Legion, I guess. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, we're living in a post-apocalyptic dystopia, and medieval justice is the only way, is the only thing that can work in this kind of environment. Okay, if you believe that, whatever. Right. Whereas in Fallout for like every all of the motivations are generally extremely simple and can be basically distilled into a single line robots good yeah. robots bad <laughs> <laughs> that's what it comes down to the brotherhood of steel they're fascists what do you want i mean that's what yeah. it comes down to so so who, who do you side with do you do you side with the the kind of sneaky evil guys the outwardly the outright evil guys or the heroic resistance make your choice mm-hmm and I say this as somebody who liked Fallout 4, I might add. 
Yeah, you did. You played tons of it. Or in Skyrim, side with the extremely racist locals or side with the Empire. <laughs> yeah, that was a hell of a choice, wasn't it? Uh, side with the colonial. It was a choice I never made because I just didn't want to. I noped right out of that. Yeah, so did I. But at least you could. Yes. So, follow New Vegas. I think that a lot of people would say that it is has its flaws, but also has a ton of amazing writing, and is one of it comes pretty close to matching the heights of certain other Fallout game, which we'll also be including on this list a little later. But it encapsulates so much of what the series is good at, Nadia. It's a big, mm-hmm. beautiful, open world with a lot of interesting locations. Uh, one of the one of the design principles of Bethesda is that you should always be able to see uh, locations on the horizon, like the yes. dinosaur or Vegas. It really and and it has that, and it really feels makes you feel like you are part of that world. You do care about what the factions are doing at any given time. It feels fully fleshed out in a way that other Fallout games don't. Mm-hmm. And it has some of the best side quests in the entire series, culminating in Chris Avalon's Lonesome, uh, Lonesome Road, which wraps up the story and introduces a character that is kind of kind of legendary among Fallout fans. That's Ulysses. And uh, if you are a Fallout fan, if you're into that into that world, it's so chock full of lore mm-hmm. that it it's impossible to ignore. And uh, I would really like Obsidian to get another crack at making another one, because I bet they would do a bang-up job. <laughs> yeah, and I think given how, uh, as you said, a lot of people didn't really know what to make of Fallout New Vegas at first, but it really gained an audience over the years, and I think a Fallout New Vegas 2 or some other Obsidian project would be pretty well-received. I agree, Nadia. Now, whenever they make Fallout 5, I just want them to set it in the Midwest. Can we, like, not? Can we Can we avoid the West <laughs> or the East? Mutant hockey. I mean, even Fallout 76 is set in West Virginia, which is technically East Coast-ish. Ish. Very more, ish. But- more South than anything, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but uh, just different. Uh, give me something different. Fallout 76 is a good start. Uh, let's try Chicago. I say just go up to Canada. What the hell? Why not? I know they annexed it. The U.S. annexed it, but still. Fallout Fargo. Yes, I would play Fallout Fargo. Fallout Minneapolis. The ruins of the Mall of America. <laughs> that would, okay, come on, that'd be cool. References to Mighty Ducks. Oh, God. All right, that's Fallout New Vegas, which is number 13 on our list, top 25 list of RPGs. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Drop me a line on Twitter at the underscore catbot or, you know, leave a note on our comments on the show. Okay, Nadia, last week we had Chris Avalon on the show, and also we reviewed Valkyria Chronicles 4, which you should go check out. But, (laughs) I mean, to start out, Ryder Kicker doesn't believe that you actually saw The Legend of Jatini, because they insist that it was never released officially. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you're in Canada. They cannot figure it out. You had to have had a French dub or something. Maybe? This is like a thing. This is a thing, I guess. 
This is a this is a hill we're going to die on, I suppose. But I'll look more into it and see what the deal is because I swear it's to God, it's a hell I of a hill to die on. Yeah. Satellite of Love uh, says of my of the fact that I allowed the transgender character to die in Valkyria Chronicles Four. How could I? <laughs> and then admits that they may have gotten the gentle noble teacher guy killed in Number One themselves. Oh. Oh, that just breaks my heart. Oh, I love that guy so much. So much that I can't remember his name, but he was also a Darkson. <laughs> and he actually reminded me very much of a friend of mine who was very, very similar in mannerisms and was also a teacher. So, oh, oh, my heart's gone. Okay, proceed. Johnny Bowie 407, Valkyria Chronicles 4 is my first one, and I'm really digging it so far. Part one of Mission 4 was kicking my butt for a while, but I think I'm starting to figure it out. Seems like there's a bit of trial and error to the start of the missions, but once you figure out who to bring and where to send them, you can overcome the first few turns and build momentum to power to the end. I don't mind the trial and error and restarting. It makes the missions like a puzzle to figure out. Did you have a chance to play more Valkyria Chronicles 4 while you were on your flight to West Virginia, Nadia? Yes, actually, I have played quite a bit. I'm, um... I think I'm wrapping up the chapter with the Ziegfeld line. The Iron yeah. Wall. Yeah. Have your, have your opinions changed much? No, it's very much solid Valkyrie Chronicles, and, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. Raz is an idiot, but that's about it. Yes. And P-Dub says, so basically, I'm just a year behind you guys. I bought Valkyria Chronicles 4 two weeks ago. It would be preloaded by launch date. But I was still itching for a game to play while I waited for release date, so I remember Nadia went gaga over Xenoblade Chronicles 2 last year, so I decided why now. Yesterday I gave up on VC4 for a month or two so I can play Xenoblade because I'm hooked and I'm doing this gaming thing all wrong. So it's time to go back to listen to last year's acts about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Thanks? (laughs) Well, here's the deal. I I was actually talking about this... Uh, in starting screen last week where I was basically mm-hmm. going, if I weren't in the games business, my MO would be just pick up a game, play it until I was done, put it away, move on to the next game. Very methodical like that. Yeah. And in his shoes, probably I would be on Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as well still. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, heck, when I first started playing video games, I was way behind in terms of my NES library. So when everyone was getting excited about the SNES or they had it, I was like, oh, this Mega Man 3 game is amazing. Yeah, I I, I remember when I was living in Japan, I just borrowed games from friends like Metal Gear Solid 3 and then just methodically played through them. I will say that now that I'm a little bit older... I have a lot less patience for games that I just don't feel like uh, are worth my time, mm-hmm. where I'll sit back at a certain point and go, yeah, I've gotten all the enjoyment I want out of this game. I'm good. I will now move on. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah, to just I- being like, no, I have to finish this. Gotta power through it. Gotta power through it. I'm now in the unfortunate position where I'll often be playing a game and be really enjoying it. Be like, I just want to play this game. I love this game. But I have to play something else because something else is coming out. Yeah, I've been there many times. The absolute worst thing in your job or in my line of work is, and this is so first world problems, is to be like, I don't want to play this game. I want to play the other game. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I've been in worse situations, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, no kidding, right? But uh, I, I really want to finish Witcher Three someday. And Nadia, will. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please forgive me. I'm a bad person. I I'm backburnering Dragon Quest Eleven. I figured that by now. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to finish it. And here's why. Like everybody else, I'm waiting for the Switch version. Yeah, that's that's totally understandable. And I mean, eh, hopefully you won't have to wait too long. And here's the reason why I'm doing that. I am doing this because I don't think it's pretty enough on the PS4 to warrant me wanting to play it on my TV all the time. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. Yeah. Uh, especially the monsters. The monsters are very pretty. Right. Yeah, they are. But not so pretty where I literally cannot imagine it anywhere but on, like, my Xbox or PS4. No, I absolutely know where you're coming from. It's not like playing, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I, I can't really see that on the Switch. But, yeah, I can yeah. see Dragon Quest Eleven actually thriving on the Switch. I'm So I'm actually it looking forward to it. It feels like it was again. made for the Switch. It is exactly. a Switch yeah. game. Like, the pacing is so Switch. It is so a kind of game that I could be playing while listening to a podcast so I don't have to listen to that god-awful soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, although you'd miss the voices, and I do like the voices. Meanwhile, I was playing Forza Horizon 4 for review, and you should go check that out. And that game is utterly, mind-blowingly gorgeous. It one of the oh, yeah, that is m- most beautiful game that, I've ever played. The lighting, the exactly, everything. Yeah. Uh, just playing that game on a 4K TV with HDR and everything, unbelievable. Un-friggin' believable. I could yeah, not believe it. Yeah, that is a 4K it. game that you're just not going to... That is the kind of game I wouldn't even think about touching on the Switch. It is a visual feast for the eyes. <laughs> Did you ever see... <laughs> still my all-time favorite P, uh, video game cover, magazine cover, is the PC Gamer that uh-huh. said this is not a screenshot and it was a screen it was a it, this is not oh this is yes. not art this is an actual gameplay and it was a picture from F- unreal yeah <laughs> the original unreal like, and it's just like so primitive i guess by it to yeah. standards oh well, yeah it was just like some angler it was an angler mess of polygons yeah you could count the polygons basically so yeah you really could okay Active Blood Guys, the U.S. Gamer Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Follow us on all of the social medias. I'm at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford, though not right now because she has been unfairly suspended from Twitter. I'm in Twitter jail, but hopefully by the time this goes up, I'll be unsuspended. I've peeled. We will clear your name. We will find the one-armed man. (laughs) I didn't do it. I don't care. And uh, yes, follow US Gamer on all of the US Gamer channels. As usual, there's a lot of great stuff over on the main page. Not uh, Katie wrote a love letter to Forza Horizon 4's worst cars and the silly designs she slapped on them. <laughs> they, yeah, they, she was talking about that in the Slack channel. It was pretty hilarious. Mike wrote about Assassin's Creed Odyssey's uh, flings. Apparently, he's just going around Greece having a lot of sex. That's a good way to get syphilis, but uh, more power to you. By the way, we're going to have Mike back on the show next week because we need to talk some Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Because, uh, But we couldn't do it this week because he is actually out of town right now at other events. We've had a lot of people traveling at the moment, but 
yeah, he'll be back. It's an RPG now. It's Switcher in Greece. <laughs> a lot of people are oh, upset totally. about that. I'm not too upset about it. I'll also talk about the microtransactions, because apparently they're a thing. Hmm, they're always a thing. Uh, I wrote about Baldur's Gate 3 uh, being announced. Apparently, Nintendo might be working on a way to bring Game Boy games to smartphones based on a new patent. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to see what comes of that, even though usually patent filings don't always indicate something, but sometimes they do. Tom Ori uh, said, hey, let, let's not pretend that the new Switch is an earth-shattering revelation. Did you see the news of that while you were off the grid in West Virginia or whatever? Yes, I think I saw it when I was driving through some mountains. Uh, yes, I saw it. And it's just basically, it is very unsurprising news. It's it's kind of a Nintendo's nature to revise handheld uh, media after a couple of years. And finally, I had some pressing questions about the leaked Harry Potter game footage. Did you see that? Are you excited about the new Harry Potter? I heard he could murder someone. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you're murdering magical creatures. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. They all like die. creatures. No. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, too. But, I mean, the game looks really neat. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. As long as it lets me be sorted into Hufflepuff properly, I'm okay. Yeah, if I'm not a Hufflepuff, I'm out. Peace. Apparently it's sent like, the 19th century. Oh, that's interesting. I forget what major thing happens in the 19th century, but I think that's, like, when one of the magical conventions first comes together, I think. The International Statute mm-hmm. of Secrecy first comes into effect, though I could be wrong. That's a, that's a level of nerdity I have no idea about. Well, you've read the books, right? Oh, yeah, but once. <laughs> I went through them. I said, oh, okay, well, I read them all. I'm good. And uh, yeah. All right, Nadia, we'll be back next week. And until then, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. <laughs>